Welcome to another great message at Anchor Church. We pray this message will encourage, inspire, and transform your life. Our heart is to share the hope of Jesus with our city and nation. So blessed to be able to share the Word of God with you this morning. And I want to start off by saying that there's a, an old expression in English when two things are completely different from each other, you would describe them as they are like chalk and cheese. Now, some people don't know the difference between chalk and cheese. My advice to you is if you know somebody like that, don't ever accept a cheese, cheese sandwich from them. Uh, and, and it's sad that, I mean, sometimes people cannot spot the differences and I'm going to speak about discernment because that's essentially what discernment means. It's the ability to distinguish differences, and I'll say more about that as we go along. Now, I have good news for you. If you're a child of God, then you have been blessed with the gift of divine discernment. It's available to everyone, but not everyone has it because... Um, Everyone could do with discernment, but it's not everyone that desires discernment always and then uh, develops that discernment. So the title of my message today is Learn to Discern. And I need to say this message is just part of a much more comprehensive teaching that I have on discernment. So I can rather uh, put it this way. It's just a fraction of the action. Uh, it's the beginning of the learning process, but at least we're starting somewhere. And maybe I should have waited for um, an opportunity to do a series. But next Sunday is Father's Day, and it's just appropriate to give Adrian the opportunity, becoming a, a father again, to, uh, to have the opportunity to share. So um, what I have recognized that the church is living in a time where there are so many choices, so many voices calling, so many options contending and opinions contesting. There are doctrines demanding and teachings tugging, beliefs bidding and viewpoints vying, ideas inviting, stimuli inciting, personalities pulling, prophets and preachers persuading. So many different things that we need desperately uh, to have discernment in our lives. And although it's a good thing, we also need to realize in our technical age, we have a total overload of data, but a deficit of truth. We have a deluge of information, but a drought of wisdom. And to discover and discern what truth is and what real wisdom is, is important. Where do we find truth? What is truth? Well, just to give you the bottom line, Jesus said, I am the truth. And he also said that God's word is the truth. So I want to start off by saying the written word of God, the Bible, is a vital instrument when it comes to discerning truth. And uh, we need to be careful because we are uh, offered so many 
lies and so many untruths, we need to be able to discern them. Now, I want to, as an introduction, start with two, let me call them foundational scriptures about discernment. And the first one is in 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 14. And Paul here speaks about the man without the spirit. Let me call him the natural man um, versus the, the spiritual man. The man without the spirit does not accept the things that come from the spirit of God. For they are foolishness to him and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Now, obviously, I'm going to speak about spiritual discernment. And uh, according to the scripture, it is something that comes from the Holy Spirit. Then another scripture, and then I want to say more about these two passages. In Hebrews 5, verses 13 and 14, the author writes, and he says, Everyone who lives on milk, and he's speaking about spiritual babies here, is unskilled in the word of righteousness, since he's a child. Spiritually, but solid food is for the mature, those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish or discern good from evil. Now, it's, it's very clear uh, here that there are two sides to discernment because spiritual discernment is both a gift and a skill. So let me again say, the good news is, if you're a child of God, you have divine discernment. You have spiritual discernment. But the challenge is this. It needs to be developed. So let me just show you uh, that it's a, both a gift and a skill. In 1 Corinthians 2.14, if you go to that scripture again, it speaks about the things that come from the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God. And so all of these things, including discernment, all these things are gifts from uh, the Holy Spirit. And just incidentally, Jesus, when he referred to the Holy Spirit, he called them the spirit of truth. So if you want to discern what real truth is, you need to rely on the Holy Spirit and the gift that he gives. In Hebrews 5 and verse 14, he speaks about the powers of discernment uh, belonging to mature believers. Now, these, I want you to know, although that word is translated as senses in English, don't think that he's referring to physical senses. He's also not referring to intellectual perception. He's speaking about the spiritual abilities uh, or, or the, the insights that God would give you concerning certain things. So discernment is a gift. It's not something that you earn but it is something you can learn. So let me speak about discernment being a skill. And in Hebrews 5.14, again, I want to point this out. that it, He says that this insight could be trained by constant practice. Two key words there. Could be trained by constant practice. Interesting, the word translated as trained is the Greek word gumnatso, where we get our word uh, uh, gymnasium from. And obviously, gymnasium is a 
place where you, where you train, where you exercise. And then he uses the word practice too. And the Greek word there literally means to, to practice, to use something, to habitually uh, uh, do that. Now, I am not apologizing for this. I want to give a plug to the Leadership Collective because I think it's so vital that you need to realize that is a spiritual gym. That's where you can practice and where you can train your spiritual uh, abilities that, that God gave you. And it's good to be physically fit. I, I uh, am familiar with the gym. Well, I used to be familiar. <laughs> I knew Jim, Jim Reeves. <laughs> Peter, you, you're the only one that can remember Jim Reeves. So in any case, it's, it's good to be physically fit. It's also good to be intellectually sharp. But if you're not spiritually strong, those things mean nothing. And it's vital that we put those things first because it's so easy for us, despite how well we might be physically or intellectually, we could be deceived. And I want to say this, a crafty lie could delude even a clever dude. You need spiritual discernment. And you need that exercise. So training is a learning process. We need to learn to discern. I like what Tim Challies says. He's a Canadian Reformed Baptist theologian and author and uh, a blogger. It's worthwhile following him. And he says this. He says, discernment is a discipline. And like other disciplines, such as prayer and reading the Bible, it is one that all Christians should seek to practice and should seek to practice deliberately. So maybe you've never been aware of the spiritual discipline of discernment. But it's something that you need to give attention to. A man called uh, uh, S.D. Gordon, Samuel Gordon, American evangelical author, uh, he put it this way. He said, spirit discernment is rare because it is expensive. It means a sensitive conscience, an instructed understanding through study of the book of God. It means a passion for purity, for truth, for the right, for Christ himself, and for living uncompromisingly true in the daily habit. All this lies back of a seeing spirit eye. All these things cost. Discernment is expensive. So it's something that you have to put your mind to, and yet you have to decide, I'm going to develop this. So let me start with the whole process, and, and really there's so much on my heart, and I, I realized after the first service that I will not be able to get to even, even half of what I wanted to, to share with you, and maybe there will be another opportunity to do this. But I want to start with just explaining the meaning of discernment. Because sometimes we may have an idea of what we think discernment is. And it's so far from the biblical definition of discernment. I remember there used to be an ad, and thank goodness they are not allowed to do any advertisements about this any longer. But there used to be an ad for, for cigarettes. 
and they were advertising this cigarette as it is for the discerning smoker. That's not the kind of discernment that we are talking about. I'm talking about spiritual discernment. But in any case, let me start with a basic definition that I got from a dictionary. It says that discernment is the ability to distinguish differences in order to evaluate and to make a wise decision. It's a good definition, but I'm going to give you some biblical perspectives a little bit later. Let me uh, uh, move on to the etymology of the word discernment. And, and I love to study etymology, which means the origin and the development in meaning of words. And don't confuse it with entomology, which is a study of insects. In any case, the two are related because it bugs me if I cannot understand the meaning <laughs> and the, the origin of the word. But it's very interesting to see where our English word discernment comes from. It comes from a Latin word, and probably my pronunciation is not correct because all the Latin speakers have died. So you might think it's correct. But the Latin word is discernere. Two parts in the word. Dis, the prefix, means off or away. So the young people are correct when they, when they diss somebody. <laughs> They're actually saying, away with you. And the second part of the word cernere literally means to separate, to sift, to distinguish. So here's what we need to see in the meaning and the origin of that word. It's two things that you separate and you take them away from each other in order then to distinguish the differences. Um, and, and if you think um, in your mind of a sieve, whether you, you're cooking or whether you are involved in, in farming and you need to um, use the, the, the sieve to separate the wheat from the chaff or the flour from the fodder or the fine from the coarse, that's exactly what discernment is all about. And here's something important. The Bible, the Word of God, is actually a spiritual filter. It's something that everything that we hear, everything that we see, everything that we experience in this world, we must pass it through the filter of God's Word. That's what discernment is about. And that is the, the sieve that God gave us. So... Uh, uh, I, I want to emphasize that it, that it carries the meaning of differentiating after sifting or, or, or filtering, and that happens through the Word of God. Now, let me get closer to the Bible, and let me speak about the Greek words used in the New Testament. There are a number of words, but I just want to focus on, on two of them, and I don't want to bother you with the rest. The first word used in the New Testament is the word anakrisis. That's not a woman who's having some emergency. It means the following. The word Anna means between. And then the word crisis at the end is, does not mean crisis, although that's where we get our English word from. It actually means decision. It means arriving at a point where you make a choice 
where you can have distinguished. So literally, the Greek word carries the same meaning of our English word, separating something, uh, uh, making a difference between something, and then making a decision based on that. Another related word is the word diakrisis. Diakrisis is not some political party also having a predicament. It, it carries the same meaning. Thus, the prefix dia means through or thoroughly. And again, the, the latter part of the word is the same thing that I described just now. So it speaks of a thorough separation between two things, differentiating, leading to a decision in the end. So literally, and, and I wish I had more time uh, to explain this, but there are four elements in the process of discernment. First element is separation, taking two things, separating them. Second element, investigation, examining it closely. Third element, recognition of what is real, what is better, what is best, etc., etc. And then the last element, decision making a decision for the right thing. So um, if I can give a, a proper definition of discernment, it is the ability to separate and distinguish for the purpose of investigating, uh, intensely examining closely in order to evaluate so that you can make a good and a wise decision. Don't you think that's a good thing? So we need to do that continuously. We need to be able to make that uh, separation and eventually the decision. Now, let's look at what the Bible says about discernment. And we need to discern between three kinds of discernment <laughs> mentioned in the Bible. Let me start with what I want to call natural discernment. Natural discernment is something that Everybody has, whether you're born again or not. It is, let me use a term that we would use nowadays, and it's common sense. Sadly, common sense can be uncommon sometimes. We're supposed to all have it, but <laughs> we don't always uh, exercise it. Although common sense is a good thing, natural discernment is good. It can also be corrupted. It can also be used in uh, a, a wrong way. It could be abused. I don't have the time to go into the details, but go and read about the parable uh, that Jesus told about the unjust steward. The guy who got into trouble with his boss cooked the books so that when he got fired, that he would have some other friends that he could go to because he did them a favor. Jesus did not uh, say that his dishonesty was a good thing, but he complimented this guy on being streetwise. And he actually, Jesus said that sometimes the children of the world are, have more common sense if I can put it in, in my own words, than what the Christians or the born-again believers have. So it's important for us to not be super spiritual. 
Sometimes just use your common sense. And, and you don't have to go and pray about everything. <laughs> Sometimes the answer is, is right there. Okay, so that's natural discernment. Then the second kind of discernment I want to call supernatural discernment, opposed to natural discernment. Here is something that the Bible mentions as exceptional discernment as a gift of the Holy Spirit, a manifestation gift. Uh, go and read about that. 1 Corinthians 12, it speaks of the, about the manifestation of the Spirit being given to, to every uh, uh, Spirit-filled believer. And then among that, in verse 10, it speaks about the discerning of spirits. Now, this is a specific kind of discernment. And I don't want us to misunderstand it. It's a supernatural gift that comes from the Holy Spirit. Now, let me just throw this in at no extra cost. The gifts of the Spirit described in 1 Corinthians 12 do not belong to you. I hear people sometimes say, I have the gift of prophecy. You don't. The gift of prophecy might work through you, but it's not yours. It's the gift of the Spirit operating as He wills. Okay, so don't even claim to have the gift of discerning of spirits because you don't. But it can work through you if you're available. And what the gift of discerning of spirits is, is the supernatural ability to recognize spiritual beings for who and what they are. Giving you insight into the spiritual realm and showing you whether a supernatural manifestation is of divine or demonic origin. And again, if you want an example, go and read in Acts 16, Paul and Silas uh, are in Philippi, a slave girl uh, follows them, she has a spirit of divination, uh, a, an unclean spirit, uh, kept on telling them they were God's servants, who were proclaiming salvation, that sounds wonderful. Many people would have been fooled by that and say, you see, she's confirming uh, supernaturally that we are of God. Paul was not fooled by that. He immediately recognized this is a demonic thing. And through the, the gift of discerning of spirits, he rebukes her and uh, obviously uh, she's liberated, etc., etc. Now, I just want to say something else before I get to the third kind of discernment. Don't be like some people who think that they have the gift of discerning when they only have the gift of suspicion. <laughs> I've heard some people say, I discern you have a bad spirit. You have a bad attitude. <laughs> That's not what this gift is all about, okay? So um, important to, to recognize that. Okay, here's the third kind of discernment, and this is what I'm focusing on, what, what, what I'm speaking about. And I want to call that spiritual discernment. Natural discernment, supernatural discernment, and spiritual discernment. I immediately want to say this. This is also supernatural because it comes from God. But it's a gift that is in you. It is a gift that you can claim to have, not because you're so great, but it's a gift from the Holy Spirit. 
And it's the ability to discern concerning spiritual matters. And we've read about that in 1 Corinthians 2, 14 and 15, uh, where the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit for their foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual judges or discerns all things. So that's the kind of discernment that I am speaking about. So before I... I go on to how important discernment is. Let me give you a biblical definition of spiritual discernment. It's the ability to, to distinguish truth from untruth, right from wrong, good from evil, established on the study of God's written word with the help of the Holy Spirit. And maybe I should just add to this definition. I'm speaking specifically about the New Testament. Because you need to realize there are some things in the Old Testament that we need to discern that it's not for us any longer. It was for Israel for a time, for a specific people for a specific time. There are certain things in the New Testament that are no longer valid uh, uh, when you read about the Old Testament. And I always um, use this expression that the cross of Calvary is a hermeneutical filter. It's a filter for interpreting the truths of the Bible. If you find anything in the Old Testament, make sure you pass it through the cross. If it's not in the New Testament, then you must know it was for Israel for a time. Okay? Because a lot of people... Uh, are caught up in, in bondage trying to fulfill the Old Testament law. And we need to also be aware of that. Okay, let me move on. And let me just emphasize this again. Please filter whatever you experience through the Word of God to make sure that you have uh, the right thing. Okay, let me speak about the importance of spiritual discernment. And uh, I, I tried to get somewhere in the, in the first service, and uh, I think there's so much that we can cover, but I, at least I'm going to start with the question, when do we need discernment? What are the instances where discernment, spiritual discernment is required? Basically, and I've said this before, it will help us to distinguish between what is right and what is wrong. What is good and what is bad or evil. But discernment needs to go beyond this. If you are still at the stage where uh, you are trying to distinguish between what is good and what is bad, you have some growing to do. Because what we need to develop into is where we can start um, discerning between what is good and what is best. And here's a quote from a man called Oswald Chambers. He was a Scottish Baptist minister, and he wrote this. He says, the great enemy of the life of faith in God is not sin. Now, that's a shocking statement, but listen what he 
what he says. He says, the enemy of life is the good which is not good enough. The good is always the enemy of the best. And I initially struggled with this statement. But I found that there's actually a scripture where Paul echoes the same thing. In Philippians 1 verses 9 and 10, he says, This is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight or discernment. That's spiritual growth. So that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ. So you need to progress from discerning between what is good and what is bad to discerning between what is good and what is best. Let me continue. Here's another aspect where a discernment is needed. Distinguishing between what is truth and what is error. I can say so much about this, but I'm going to just say this thing. Be careful that you do not confuse truth with trendiness. There are many things that become popular, but they're not necessarily truth. And especially... In the days of social media, we can so often um, run after the flavor of the month. Even in, in, in religious and church circles, we can run after the fashionable fad. We need to realize this. A fad will fade. A trend will end. <laughs> it's only the truth that will remain. And so don't just follow something because it's, it's popular. I want to quote G.K. Chesterton. He's an English Christian author, and he said this about fashionable error. He says, fallacies do not cease to be fallacies because they become fashions. If something is wrong, it remains wrong where it becomes popular. Okay, so we need discernment between what is truth and what is error. But again here, this kind of discernment needs to be refined because it's not just discerning what is truth and what is error, but it is discerning what is true and what is almost true. Now, I remember when I was at school hundreds of years ago, in the grammar class, we were taught the degrees of comparison. Remember that? Good, better, best. Sweet, sweeter, sweetest. But our teacher used to teach us, he said, there are certain things that do not have degrees of comparison. Like dead. When you're dead, you're the deadest, deadest that you can be. <laughs> Although I think sometimes when it describes members of a church, I think there are degrees of comparison. Some are dead, some are just deader. And then you get the deadest. <laughs> now, another word that does not have a degree of comparison 
is the word true. Just think about it. I think we use it sometimes, but there actually is not something that is true. Then this is truer. And this is the truest. If something is less true, it's no longer true. The moment you throw some untruth in the truth and you mix it, the result is untruth. And so we need to realize there are some things that are true, but other things that are almost true. And that is where we desperately need discernment. And can I say, especially when it comes to religion, because religion will offer you some, sometimes something that looks true. It's almost true. But it's not really true. I like when I teach on the fruit of the Spirit to speak about the real fruit and the, the, the false fruit, the fake fruit. And sometimes we, we think of, of meekness or humility. And the religion offers you something that looks like humility. You have someone that religiously will, will try to be humble. They walk around, speak with a whining voice and... With stoops shoulders and say, I'm so humble. I'm actually proud of it. And it's false humility. So we need to realize that, that sometimes there's something that is almost true. Now listen to this. I, I, I want to read uh, a, a quote by Charles uh, Haddon Spurgeon, English Baptist preacher. He said, discernment is not a matter of simply telling the difference between what is right and wrong. Rather, it's the difference between right and almost right. Wow. So let me go on. We need to discern what is real and what is fake. Because spiritually, you sometimes have something that is gold and something that is gold-plated. It's just a surface thing. You sometimes need to distinguish between what is a pearl and what is plastic. What is a authentic, an authentic diamond or a, uh, uh, what do they call those things? Uh, cubic zirconias. Spiritually, we have that too. I, again, I can say so much about it, but I just want to touch on this thing. Be careful about somebody who gives themselves out as some kind of a, a prophet or an apostle or a teacher. The Bible warns us against false teachers, false prophets. And we need to realize there are some fakes and flakes in this world. And there are many self-appointed apostles and self-promoting prophets. Don't be fooled by them. And maybe it's something I need to get off my chest here because the longer I'm in the ministry, the older I get, the less I, I'm concerned about titles. And nothing wrong with these things. I just want to say they're not titles. They, they functions. But, you know, sometimes I see people, they're not even... Satisfied with what the Bible describes as, uh, as, as an apostle or a, or a prophet or whatever it might be. They, they need to find something that is more superior. So I, I read about arch apostles, 
mega apostles. One guy, just recently, Cora and I read about the guy that calls himself an eagle apostle. Obviously, implying that the rest are just turkey apostles. <laughs> it seems like some people, when it comes to titles, they they extremely entitled. <laughs> and let me again say, I, I don't have a problem with those things as long as you realize they are functions. And just operate in it and, and don't be concerned about what people call you. It's about what God called you. And, and I again want to quote Charles Spurgeon here where he speaks about um, all of these, these titles. And he says, don't rely too much on labels for too often they are fables. So let me try and, and, and finish here. Discernment will help you to see what is profitable and what is unprofitable. And I'm not talking here about, about money necessarily. I'm talking about what is useful, what is helpful spiritually. We need to discern between what is vital and what is trivial. Can I say this again about truth? All truth is equally true, but all truth is not equally important. When I quote and I tell you how, how big and how uh, deep and long and wide Noah's Ark was, and I give you the true facts, that's truth. Is it important truth, though? What we need to hear today is not how the dimensions of Noah's Ark. We need to hear is how to keep your head above water even today. That's important truth. So we need to, to watch out and, and ask ourselves what is uh, uh, central and what is peripheral, what is essential, what is optional, what is primary, what is secondary, what is important and what is urgent, what is permanent and what is temporary. All of those things I could spend a whole section just speaking about them. What is God's guidance and what is man's plan? And maybe here's a way to just, just summarize it in the words of Sinclair Ferguson, who was a Scottish uh, or, he, or is a Scottish theologian, and he encapsulated discernment so well. He said, true discernment means not only distinguishing the right from the wrong, it means distinguishing the primary from the secondary, the essential from the indifferent, the permanent from the transient, and yes, it means distinguishing between the good and the better and even the better and the best. So we have some growing to do. Say amen, say aina, say aish. It's true. Wish I had more time. Let me conclude with this, and it's totally a new uh, topic. We always have been taught that Solomon asked God for wisdom. He didn't go and read the passage. <laughs> what did he ask for? Discernment. Now, wisdom is important. All of these things, knowledge, understanding, wisdom, discernment. 
Knowledge is receiving the truth. Understanding is interpreting the truth. Wisdom is applying the truth. But discernment is part of that whole process because discernment is recognizing and choosing the truth. And what Solomon actually asked for, if you go and read that passage, he asked God for a heart with ears, a hearing heart, a heart that could hear God's voice in a situation where he had to judge the people, where he had to make decisions. And here's my challenge to you. Again, I want to give you the good news. You already have divine discernment. But the challenge is this. Are you developing it? And one last plug for the leadership collective. That's where you can refine the discernment that God gave you and develop it. Let's stand.